you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? And the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Father God, I pray that you would help us see Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, we might believe on Him. And believing on Him, we might be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, amen, Amen. Amen. and amen. 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 There are New Year's messages that are occurring now all over the country and some that have already taken place. I wish I could tell you and preach to you about this being the year of Jubilee and the year of your breakthrough and 2020 clear vision and, and blessings coming down, blessings coming down. And I wish I could speak to you about your specific situation and how you're coming into your harvest and you're going to be blessed beyond measure and all of those kinds of things. I just don't believe that that is a message that will help you. It's not a message that will help me either because it brings about certain expectations that if they are not met, come along with disappointment. Life is so unpredictable. If you were to go back to the year 2019 and think about the first Sunday in 2019 and go through January and February and March and April and May and June and July and August and September and October and November and December, I think that you would agree with me that there were a lot of things that happened that were unexpected. That were things that you had utterly no control over. Life is so unpredictable. There were things that happened in our families that that uh, we had no idea they would occur and, and, and they threw us for a loop. And we had things happen in our finances and some of us are still trying to swim and, and, and tread water in financial debt because we feel like we're being drowned. Some of us in the area of our fitness and our health have had unexpected things happen and that, that we had no sign that they would happen and and, and unexpected things in the, in the health of our loved ones and our families that we weren't prepared for. And then, then our futures. 
Uh, they're uncertain. I remember having a conversation just recently about retirement and and thinking about how close I am to that now and how I have not done as good a job as I should on preparing for that. And then quiet as it's kept, some of us have had things happen and there's disappointment and doubt with regard to our faith. You say, well, Pastor Mike, no, I don't. I don't. No, these were disciples who had been with Jesus for three years. They had witnessed his ministry. And Jesus starts off the chapter in verse 14, in verse one of chapter 14 by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. I want to speak to you in the next few minutes about our hearts being troubled. One, one preacher said, had a list of, of words that would describe a troubled heart and, and he used the word agitated or anxious or worried or bothered or disturbed or uneasy or apprehensive or fearful or perturbed or, or dis, dis, disheartened or disquieted, fretful, nervous, edgy, antsy, uh, uh, tense, uh, overwrought, worked up, keyed up, jumpy, worried, sick. And many women, when things happen in our lives, how do we respond? Year 2020 has all kinds of possibilities, all kinds of potential. But I guarantee you there are going to be some things that, that are unexpected. And the Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. It could be that this message isn't necessarily for you, but you might have some co-workers or some friends or some family members whose hearts are troubled right now. Who look at the perspectives and the potential of 2020 and, and it brings about fear and anxiety. Some of us are, are transitioning from one point to another. I talked to a young lady who used to play basketball for me and, and I saw her at a wedding yesterday and I said, uh, you, you tell me that, that, that you are graduating in May from college. What are your plans? And she said, Coach Mike, I have no plans. And she looked very worried about that. I don't know what the future holds. It could be that you've already made the transition and it's very new to you. And, and you've got some apprehension about that. And the Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. Well, Pastor Mike, why is, 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 are Jesus' words to these disciples this way? Because the disciples had anxiety. They, they were anxious and they were bothered. Their hearts were troubled because Jesus had just told them that He was going to die. That He was going to leave them. That He would be tortured and He would be arrested and tortured and crucified. He, he just told them and He did not identify the person. One of you all is going to betray Me. And they were, their hearts were troubled because they knew they had enough sin, each one of them, where, where they could be the one. And then Peter was there. He told Peter, listen, Peter, don't talk about all of the great commitment that you have for me because before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so their hearts were troubled. He's getting ready to leave. Someone is going to, to de, uh, uh, um, uh, betray him. Uh, Peter is going to deny him. There is this uncertainty because they thought he would usher in a kingdom. And he's talking about leaving. This is not what we signed up for. This is not what we expected. This is not what we wanted. And men and women, you can even have those feelings about the church. 
This ain't what I joined. This is, these aren't my expectations. We should have been further down the line. I should be more blessed than I am right now. Maybe it's because I need a different environment. Uh, I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel like I'm being fed. I don't feel like my life is changing. I don't, I'm, I, this isn't what I thought life would be like. And I don't know about you, maybe you don't answer those, ask those questions. Maybe, maybe you're more spiritual than I am. But even I answer, if there is doubt, if there is crisis of belief in the pulpit, I am certain that it's in the pew. Life is hard. And I'm tired of easy answers, y'all. We gotta deal with stuff. And entering into the new year, I'm asking the Lord to give me a grown-up faith. Where I can take the hard stuff and I can put my faith on top of it and I can, I can obey this because it is not just a word. The, 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 the actual language is, it's a command. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. Don't, don't live with anxiety. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'd like to give you three things that Jesus says to these disciples that will help us as we go into the new year. Because I guarantee you there are going to be some times where, where we are troubled, where our hearts are fretting, where, where we are anxious, where, where, where there's some, some, maybe we have to be the ones to give counsel. To foe. What is it that Jesus would tell these disciples that will help them in this area? Don't let your heart be troubled because all of us face it. Even so, these guys were with Jesus for three years. Even Peter, after Jesus' resurrection, he got so discouraged, he went back to fishing. And men and women, when we're not Operating in faith and trust and belief and confidence in God, in God, we're easy to find. We will go back to what we used to do and the way we used to live. Easy to find. Old folks used to call it backslide. And I'm saying, Lord, help me not to be a backslider. Help me to operate in faith this year. Amen or oh me. Oh me. Point number one, I believe that Jesus tells these guys to consider your faith. Consider your faith. Notice what he says. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He says, believe in God. Believe also in me. That is also a command. The other thing about this is, Jesus is saying, put your trust in God. He almost gives it as a given. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is separating himself from everybody else. What he's saying is, I don't want you to trust in religion. I don't want you to trust in the framework of religion. I don't want you to trust in, in the formality of religion. I don't want you to just practice religion. You believe in me. You hung out with me for three years. You heard my words. You, you, you saw me heal. You saw me perform miracles. You know who I am. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. I want you to walk with me. And trust me in this. 
He's setting himself apart from the Jewish religion. He's setting himself apart from all of those religions that would say your, your, your chief end is to work your way to heaven. No, heaven has come down. You believe in God, believe also in, in me. A personal faith in a personal God brings about personal strength. And many of us have our hearts troubled because we've forgotten about our faith. We've forgotten about the joy of our salvation. We've forgotten about walking with Jesus. We've forgotten about trusting Him in every circumstance, every situation. We've forgotten that, that anything that comes into our lives, both good and bad, has to be filtered through God. We give Satan way too much credit. God is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus knows everything that's going on. Jesus not only knows it, but in many cases, He has orchestrated it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Consider your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him because he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed upon Him. How many have ever quoted that verse? It's in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. We stop too soon. You know what the verse says? It says, He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed upon Him because He trusts in Him. Men and women, consider your faith. Almost give yourself a, 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 a test right now. Examine your life right now. Am I operating in faith? And it is not a, I used to believe faith. It is not a, I will believe faith. It is a, I believe Jesus Christ right now, regardless of what's going on in my life, right now. There's a, a, a young man who's, who's graduating from high school from Ridge Restoration Academy who taught me more about faith in the last few months than, than I have preaching for 30 years. His name is Malcolm. Malcolm uh, was excited about playing this year. Malcolm was one of the most faithful guys on our team, came to every practice, uh, went to every camp. His dad would come to every practice. I mean, it was, it was incredible. They were so excited about this year. We were on our way to Mississippi for a basketball camp, and, and they were talking about how, Coach, we're going to do good this year. Uh, Coach, his dad said, Mal- dad's, Malcolm's dad said, he's going to have the best year ever. Our athletic director, once they left for the camp, said uh, to me, gave me a call and said, Oh, Pastor Mike, I forgot to tell you, by the way, did you know that Malcolm was ineligible to play? said, ineligible to play. He says, yes, the year before you got here, Malcolm had to repeat the ninth grade. And our conference rules indicate that there are four consecutive years of eligibility to play basketball. And he has exhausted his four years of eligibility. I said, no, he hasn't. He's only played three of the years. He sat out a year. He says, no, they count his ninth grade year in which he played, the ninth grade year in which he sat out, the tenth grade year, and last year was his eleventh grade year. He can't play this year. I said, dude, they don't know that. He says, well, you're going to have to tell them. I called up his dad, and his dad said, Pastor Mike, that's going to crush him. They told me 
that he could play this year because they would wipe the slate clean. We talked to the administrator of the school. They said, well, yes, we did tell them that, but we were talking about academics. We weren't talking about athletics. I said, but you told him that he would wipe the slate clean. His father went on to tell me, he says, that would crush him. This young man has been through so much disappointment. The reason why he did the ninth grade over again is because when he was in the ninth grade the first year, that was the year his mother died. That was the year I got diagnosed with a kidney disease. And now I'm on dialysis. He takes me three times a week to dialysis. And that was the year he got a job so he could help with the family income. He couldn't concentrate on schoolwork. See, Malcolm's one of the good guys. I told him he couldn't play. I, I talked to our athletic director. I said, listen, can we, can we uh, petition the, the conference? Can we do something that would, would, would help with that? Can we, we do? I said, we'll even forfeit some games so he can play on all non-conference games. The athletic director said, no, a rule is a rule. I said to his dad, don't tell Malcolm yet. Let me see if I can work something out. Of a few days later, His dad calls me up and says, Pastor Mike, I had to tell Malcolm. I just couldn't hold it anymore. But I've got him on the phone, on speakerphone, and he wants to talk to you. I took off my coach hat because I knew I had to put on my my pastor hat. I knew I had to talk this young man off the ledge. I knew I had to tell him something that would encourage him. I had to figure out what I would say. It's going to be all right and that kind of thing. Malcolm gets on the phone and he says, Pastor Mike. I just wanted to tell you, Dad told me I'm ineligible and I wanted to call you and tell you I'm all right. He said, because I believe that God has a reason and a purpose for everything that happens. We talked some more. I got off the phone, Reverend Ron, and then I walked in here and walked around the sanctuary and just wept. This young man's more mature than some adults I know. The way he, he operated with, with disappointment. You fast forward a couple of weeks ago. We had a basketball tournament over at Restoration. And, and uh, uh, I invited a, a team from, from South Alabama to come. And, and he, the coach and I were, I thought, friends. And uh, we waited on Friday for him to come to his game. We texted each other back and forth. This guy never came. I'm still waiting on a response. Never showed up. Backtrack a little bit. A friend of mine coaches uh, an independent team. I got Malcolm to play on that team. So he gets to play his senior year, but not for his school. I called that guy and said, we got a team that canceled out. Can you come on Saturday? This is Friday night. I said, can you get your team together to come on Saturday and play just, just a game? You, there's no chance you can win the tournament, but you can play one of our games and, and get the guys. He said, sure, we, you, we, we're there. Malcolm got a chance to play on his school court in his school gym for the last time his senior year. And not only that, he won all tournament. Because Malcolm said, I believe, I believe in God. And I believe that God has some things that happen for a reason and for a purpose. And, and, and in so many words, Pastor Mike, I'm trusting God. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in in me. In me. Men and women, we got to trust God. Life is going to throw you some curveballs. 
You're going to have some things that happen unexpectedly. And it's not about the thing that happens. It's all about how you respond. Point number two. Not only consider your faith. But you need to check your understanding of life and death. Look at this. It says in the verse, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, verse, verse two. And if I, I, and if I go to bear, prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Listen, you ask the question, well, Jesus is talking about your heart not being troubled. Why does he focus on heaven? Why is he now talking about his father's house and many mansions? Because Jesus knew that he was about to be arrested, that he was about to be tortured, that he was about to be crucified, and their troubled heart had a focus. Their troubled heart was focused on the fact that Jesus would leave. And men and women... One of the things that I believe we don't prepare enough for is death. Is death. We prepare for disease because we got hospitals and doctors. We prepare for disappointment. We prepare, but we don't prepare for death. In men and women, our death gives meaning to our life because it's all about our investment. It's not how long you live. It's how well you lived. It's not life's duration. It's life's donation that matters the most. What am I leaving behind when I die? Notice this about Jesus and his love and concern for us. In verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He's got a place for me. I'm developing. I've got a dwelling place that is specifically planned for you. And then he says, I'm going to prepare it. So not only does he have a place, but he's going to prepare. Look at verse 3. He says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself where I am. There you may be also. What he says is, I want my presence to be with you. So I'm going to prepare a place that I'm, I'm, I'm going, I have a place that I'm preparing for my presence to be there so that you can be there with me. And then lastly, he says, you know where I'm going and you know the way. Well, how about this? I love Thomas. He's so, he's so honest. Thomas is the one that didn't show up for Easter service. You remember Thomas? Everybody else was there, but he wasn't. Thomas says, how can we know the way? I don't know where you're going. He still didn't understand. And what Jesus is doing is giving an illustration of Jewish marriage. It is very different than marriage for us. What happens in a Jewish marriage is the father goes and discusses a price for the bride, the father of the groom. He pays the price. The groom goes back home and begins to prepare a place for his wife to be. He prepares that place for 12 months or maybe more. He doesn't know when he's going back to get his bride. The only person that knows is the father. 
The father decides that it's time to go back. You can go and get your bride. There's a processional to go and get her. There's a processional to go and get her back. They party. They consummate the marriage. They're together living in that place that he has prepared forevermore. And what Jesus is saying is this. You don't realize it, but I love you so much that I want my life to be connected with your life and it's just going to be like a marriage with, with, with me and you. So i got to go to prepare a place for you. You know where I'm going. I'm going to my father's house. I'm getting our dwelling place, your dwelling place ready and then I'm coming back for you. And I'm bringing you to that place you know. And they didn't understand. Do you know that God loves you so much that He does not want your heart to be troubled? The only reason why He is leaving, the only reason why it feels like He's not there, the only reason why it feels like there's trouble, the only reason why it feels like there's doubt, the only reason why it feels like there's crisis is because He's gone preparing a place for you. Well, as He's gone, what is the bride's occupation? Getting busy, getting ready. And when you're not getting busy, getting ready, then life has no meaning. The reason why we have stress, the reason why our heart is troubled, is because we feel like God didn't do what we wanted Him to do. We don't want you to go. Jesus says, I gotta go. No. The only reason why we're stressed and our heart is troubled is because God does things that we don't want him to do. God doesn't do things that we do want him to do. And everything that he does and a lot of things that he does are unexpected. We hadn't planned for that. And God says the only thing that will keep you focused is to check your understanding of life and death because you are going to die and I am going to die. My occupation right now is to get busy getting ready. Listen, I've done enough weddings. I was sitting at a a wedding reception yesterday afternoon and I was getting ready and, and there was a young man that I knew from years back and he says, Pastor Mike, about how many weddings do you do a year? And I said, I don't know, two to three weddings a year. It depends. I did a whole lot more when I was younger. And uh, so I got to thinking about that thing on our way home, Kim. You didn't know I was thinking about this. But I thought two to three weddings a year for 30 years. I've done about 60 or 70 weddings. You want to know one thing about those weddings? I have had precious few in those 60 or 70 weddings that I've officiated where the, 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 the bride, was not at some point frazzled during the engagement and preparation for the wedding. Know why? They were getting busy. Getting busy, getting ready. Getting busy, getting things together. Their whole focus was getting... Listen, our focus needs to be building His kingdom... Getting ready for his return. Getting ready for him to bring us back. Our life has meaning. We, we it, It's focused. It's single-minded. It is saying, my Savior is coming back with me. I know the way. It's all about him. Because he loves me just that much. 
He cares for me just that much. And men and women, it's so important. It's so important. Are you getting busy? If this year you are not getting busy, then life has no meaning. Your heart's going to be troubled. You don't know what's going on. And God says, I've, it feels like I'm gone. I'm not gone. But it feels like I'm gone because I'm preparing a place for you. Amen or oh me. Last point and then we'll be done. Not only do you um, get your, check your faith and, and, and make sure that, that you're considering your faith and checking your understanding of life and death, but correct your thinking about Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 6, probably the most memorable in the chapter uh, and most notable. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Thomas had a problem knowing where he was going and what he was doing. I don't know the way and I don't know the place. Philip has a problem with recognizing who he is. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? Uh, He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else uh, believe me for the sake of the works alone. Just believe me for for, for the works themselves, what I've done. Verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It could be that your heart is troubled because you're wandering. You're wandering all the way around. You're asking yourself the question, what is life all about? Where am I going with this life? If you're at the end of life, where am I going? Where am I been? Am I living regrets about about my decisions that I've made earlier? If you're younger, you're like, well, there's so many options. Which one do I go? You feel like you're wandering. And Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way. Focus on your relationship with Jesus Christ and everything starts to work itself out. It could be that you're saying, well, well, I'm confused. I don't know what to think. He says, I'm the way, but I'm also the truth. Focus in on His truth. Focus in on His precepts. Focus in on His promises. Focus in on His Word. He says, I'm not only the way, but I'm the truth. All else are lies. You're believing all these things that you hear. Focus on what I say. And lastly, it could be that you're saying, I just feel dead inside. I, I, I don't know if I can go on. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't, I, I just, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, but I'm also the life. You know what Jesus does for me? Jesus tells me, and Jesus whispers in my ear, Pastor Mike, you're putting way too much pressure on yourself. You're putting more pressure on yourself than I am putting on yourself. He whispers in in my ear, Pastor Mike, it ain't that deep. It is not that deep. He whispers in my ear, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You're focused on so many things, just like Martha was, but Mary has chosen the good thing. All I have, see, I used to fret over whether or not I was quotable. 
and whether or not the, 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 the sermon was going to be good, whether or not the church is growing, whether or not I could talk favorably about how God is blessing me. And the Lord whispers in my ear, it ain't that deep. I wondered about my children growing up and whether or not they would do something to bring embarrassment to the household. You know, preacher's kids got a lot of pressure on them, right? You know, and I'm like, the Lord whispers in my ear, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Did y'all hear the preacher's testimony Tuesday night? You know, he, his daughter got pregnant out of wedlock and he, he stood up and said, it's all right. <laughs> God is still God and still on his throne. Don't be, you know, shaken that, that, that people sin and people fall short of the glory of God. He whispered in his ear, it ain't that deep. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, nobody comes through the Father but through me. Many of us are believing and listen to all these other religions and that kind of thing. Let me tell you this, and I want to be real, real clear. Respect all other religions. You respect them. You respect the people that believe in him. But here's the thing. Know what you believe. Settle it in your own heart. I believe verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am not so insecure that I cannot hear and I cannot just listen to what other people believe. What's most important is what I believe. And my own personal convictions. And what Jesus says right here is, he does not say I am a way, a truth, and a life. He said I am the way. The truth and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me. That brings me comfort because I can come to Jesus in, in, in every in situation. He goes on to say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father as well. When you believe in me, you believe in the Father as well. He is the Father wrapped up in human flesh. John chapter 1 verse 18 says, No man has seen God in his entirety at any time, but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He's explained Him to us. What He's saying is, if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. That's all you have to do. Look at Jesus. He comes alongside. It is Jesus. It is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus, it, it wrapped up, uh, God wrapped up in human flesh, who has revealed Himself to us through the power of His Holy Spirit in our lives, who opens ourselves, our eyes up to His truth. And men and women, that's kept me. It's kept me. I'll close with this. My relationship with the Lord, uh, sometimes it wavers a little bit. But because I know the Lord, there's a foundation. And this year, there needs a foundation. For, it's almost like having an anchor. It doesn't matter what the sea is doing. If you're anchored, you'll, you'll be tossed, but you're going to stay in the same place. When my brother passed away, we went to family hour. We're at All Souls Mortuary in Long Beach. Cherry Avenue. I held my own. I, I, I viewed his remains and, 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 and touched his forehead and, and, and held his hand for a little while. And then I'd give other people some time. We were there for about two hours. Toward the end of the family hour, my niece, Jazz, went up to uh, the casket. And I knew she was having a difficult time. 
And so I got ready because I wanted to, to wait until she left so I can have my last little time with my brother. And, 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 and something said, go, go put your arm around her. And I was getting ready to get up off my seat in the front row, Reverend Ron, and her husband, Brandon. He walked up to her, didn't say a word, and just put his arm around her. And they both looked. And I thought, I'm going to tell him that he stepped in the place of God. God comes he, he comes alongside of us when our hearts are troubled. And He just puts His arm around us. Amen. And He whispers in our ear and says, Consider your faith. Consider your faith. You believe in God? Believe also in Me. Amen. And then He comes and puts His arm around us and says, Well, check your understanding of life and death because that ain't him right there. I've gone to prepare a place for him. That where I am, he can be also. See, in my father's house of many mansions, I got one for him. You check your understanding. See, he lived his life. He had an appointment that he had to keep. He completed his assignment. And you know when you're in school, once you complete your assignment or finish your test, you're able to leave the class. <laughs> Everybody else is still working, has to stay. Y'all going to get that a little bit later. He put his arm around her. He said, the correct understanding of Jesus Christ is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The most important decision that we could ever make this year in 2020 is what we're going to do with Jesus. Are we going to walk with him or are we going to still have doubts about him? Are we going to miss him? Are we not going to recognize who he is? And if, if, if you can't recognize who he is, verse 11 says this. Well, just believe in his works. If you don't know his identity, believe in what he has done. Because last I checked, the tomb is still empty. Nobody there. Because he is risen and he is Lord. Let the church say, Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for your word today. I pray for my brothers and sisters with troubled hearts. Lord, calm our fears. Help us to consider our faith. Check our understanding of the meaning of this life. And correct our view of Jesus. Lord, I pray that this year would be a blessed year of walking with you. I pray that we would be able to say, I believe that God has a purpose and plan for everything that happens in my life. I trust you. I believe in you. I put my confidence and faith in you. Father, I pray for someone who's struggling right now. Peace be still. Give them your peace. It ain't that deep. He's got this. He's got you. He knows and understands. Father, I thank you. There could be one who's struggling with their faith and they want to receive Christ today. They can do that. It could be that there's one who's got a troubled heart and you need prayer. You can come. It could be that there's one that needs to join the church today. You can come. The door of the church is open. In Jesus' name. Won't you come?
ministers, elders, deacons. Thank you.